in a podcast where two people talk to another person about electric cars, New Zealand politics, writing a book at age 10, the technology of sustainability, critical thinking, Doctor Who, leprechauns, and how weird names are and much more. That was beautiful. Yeah, we, we get into a lot of topics in this episode. Um, this was with a wonderful person that we met in our travels, Nick. Um, we recorded this a while ago before Trevor and I had traveled to New Zealand and um, definitely before all of the the latest news surrounding New Zealand occurred. And we thought this would be an interesting podcast to release right now because of uh, New Zealand's been in the news a lot lately. And uh, people, I think this pod, this podcast gives an informative and um, mostly really nice overview of New Zealand politics. Trevor and I were very inspired about everything to do with New Zealand after we had this wonderful conversation with Nick. It's true. And even more so after going to New Zealand, Kind of puts the uh, the whole current situation in stark contrast to our experience. I mean, it seems like such a welcoming, progressive, open, accepting community. Uh, I know the guy that was Australian, but it's still sad to hear. So our heart goes out to our yeah. peeps in New Zealand. Absolutely. But this podcast is much more uplifting and upbeat. Uh, so stay tuned. Yeah, there's a lot of inspiration in this podcast. Um we get into sustainability. Nick's main passion in life is uh, electric cars, and uh, he's taken that on as his battle in the in the <laughs> in the war to save the planet and the human race. Um, and it was very interesting learning about. He gets into some techie, sciencey stuff. I was I was editing this podcast and thinking. Uh, this would be an episode that Trevor would really like. Like it's, it's we get pretty nerdy. Um, he, t- he yeah, he gets into a lot of techie stuff, and then you guys go on a rant about Doctor Who for like a ridiculously long time. But I didn't want to edit it out <laughs> because it was very cute how enthusiastic you both got talking about Doctor Who, and you also talk about Khan Academy and stuff. This was like a very Trevory episode. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so it was the best episode. Yeah, it's good. Yes, it's. You are the target audience for this episode. Well, in other news, we are currently proofing the fully leaven-based bread. In hashtag Trevor Bakes Bread news. We are currently proofing a completely leaven-based bread. That means I'm using only my natural starter, no store-bought yeast. It's been an arduous 20-hour journey. We're at the home stretch. It'll be going in the oven in two hours. I'm sure you will see pictures of it later. Absolutely. I'm excited for this one. It should have a more uh, complex taste than perhaps the other loaves had. So we'll see. I'm very excited. And and next week in the adventures of hashtag Tever Bakes Bread, are we going to get some bagels? Depends if I can find that malt syrup or not. You have you you looked up what one recipe and one recipe said you need uh, malt syrup. Serious Eats has not failed me yet. That just seems. I find it better to set yourself up for success rather than fail the first time and get discouraged. We. 
I'll do some more Go research. listen to my dad's we'll podcast you know. episode about finding the success and failure. That's what I was raised by. And even like, you know, today, this morning, I had an emergency with I'm work. Like because Trump. potentially I like to find the success and success. You failed, you failed. I don't know. What I want this to be to the greatest bagel, the best bagel that ever was. That make then, bagels great again. Make let's make bagels great. That is right. <laughs> Something <gasps> Thailand sorely needs. <laughs> oh. Hashtag. I don't. Make I don't bagels feel great good again. about you comparing yourself to Trump in a positive I light. I, was, I feel real weird in my belly right now. I mean, if, I don't know the man's personal opinions about bagels, but they're probably wrong. Never mind. Uh, in other news hashtag Trevor makes kombucha (laughs) (laughs) that has not yet been a hashtag I just started a new hashtag with last week's episode Wes's episode that's called uh, Trevor Bakes Wisdom Trevor Bakes Wisdom yeah what wisdom am I baking you bake up a, a fresh batch of wisdom every episode and I like to extract the primary flavor of that wisdom and I do one major Trevor quote for every episode because you're always saying something incredibly wise and wonderful. So to see those quotes, log on to our website and hit that top right corner and purchase all your Amazon shopping through us. Doesn't cost you a thing, but makes us money. That's right, folks. It's here. It's here to stay. Let's see one of you actually use it and we will... Do yeah, something special. You can see these stats now that since we last made a plea, a bunch of people clicked on it and still no one has fucking bought anything. We're getting close there, folks, though. <laughs> you know, we're, we're almost there. So. Bookmark it. Even just like, you know, I don't know what's a silly thing that we should recommend that people buy. Stuff to donate. You can buy stuff for your local charities on Amazon. Nice. And then you're like helping a lot of people <laughs> including buy an us. electric car on Amazon this pertains to this episode I don't <laughs> and then and yeah definitely use our Amazon link for that cause yeah be a nice percentage <laughs> I don't think you can do that but it, soon I'm sure I'm sure we're not if far if you can't yet then you will be able to soon yeah electric car Amazon 2020 um anyway so, yeah, this is a really, really great episode with Nick. Um, we get into a, a lot of interesting stuff, talks about sustainability. Um, he wrote a book at age 10 that was published and popular um, about growing up with... What a, is it with New Zealanders and writing books at I know, being, absurdly young ages? Yeah, why you, every Kiwi we've met has been ridiculously impressive. What's going on in that country? Why are you guys all amazing? Hey. Hey, wait. How'd you get like that? Hey. <laughs> How did Nathan. you get like that? <laughs> Nathan, what are you doing in there? Um, he wrote a book when he was ridiculously young. And stay tuned to find out what the topic was. And look at our website for the link on how to purchase that through your Amazon account, where you can then click on our website's top right Amazon link, and we will get money while you purchase his book. Holler. In this podcast, we discuss Jen's incompetence surrounding names and artificial creatures. Artificial? That's offensive. Potentially artificial creatures. Don't say artificial. Leprechauns are never artificial. They may not exist in the technical word, but even in their lack of existence, 
They are authentic and never artificial. We discuss Jen's Irish upbringing and its strange presentation in the form of not only names, but also imaginary creatures. Me being Irish had nothing to do with me not understanding names. Magical creatures. How's that? Magical is much I don't even remember better. what I was saying at this point. Stay tuned at the end to hear a whole bunch of really interesting New Zealand facts. Nick just kind of starts rattling them off a bunch of history and facts and tidbits about New Zealand. Uh, and they were all really cool. It's a good one, folks. So strap in, sit down, pop that popcorn, clean that kitchen, do what you do best. Occasionally interestingers. And without further ado, Nick. Occasionally interesting. Occasionally interesting. They are occasionally interesting. What does an environmentalist look like? Um... I don't really want to say. <laughs> it doesn't look like me. Does it look like me? It looks like my friend Weasel that's not an environmentalist. Describe Weasel for me. Uh, Weasel has very long dreads, down to her knees, I think. Um, she only owns two pairs of clothing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of it. Doesn't purchase any clothing at all. Um, I don't know. What do you call an environmentalist? I guess it's anyone, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I like in disguise. I mean, I think it's in disguise that, you know, you, you started this company that's kind of more um, traditional. And then and then you do these different environmental initiatives. Well, doesn't everyone do that? Well, I'm hoping everyone's well, trying to do that. Fortunately not, but hopefully they're getting started. Uh, okay, sorry. Man. Never gonna nap in the middle of the day ever again. I feel like I got bonked on the head with frying pan. I don't know how old people do it. Old people nap often. Yeah, of course yeah. they do. Tell me more. Well, old people—they always nap. Don't be silly. My nana always naps. <laughs> do a nana nap? A nana nap. She's always sleeping whenever I go see her. Interesting. I didn't know. I don't. I've never had a nana. You so never I had a nana. Know about nana naps. You'd never had a nana, not once. Not once. Oh no, that's <laughs> horrible. Who made you cookies? I learned to make my own cookies. That's why I opened a bakery when I was twenty-four. You opened a bakery when you were twenty-four. Tell me more about that. Um, it was, of course, a very environmentally friendly bakery. Uh, I used organic products, and it was focused on alternative diets so catering to people who were either vegan gluten-free allergic to different things or um had self-imposed restrictions and trying to to demonstrate to them that that didn't mean that what they had to eat had to be disgusting um so this started because my best friend in college had crohn's disease and so she couldn't eat like anything remotely interesting so i'd already been baking cookies for a very long time since i didn't have a nana and uh then when i met her i wanted to make her 
special treats and she posed a lot of interesting challenges and so then that was like an exciting problem to figure out like what could I use instead to make it still taste awesome and I don't understand how like it doesn't seem like any other bakery has figured it out I feel like I nailed that shit but everyone's still thinking oh okay the thing you're supposed to use is just like cornstarch and and rice flour and then that'll be delicious nah wrong <laughs> i love the concept that people within our society that are not the norms can really change society for the betterment so you see um there's a great episode on star trek and i like to i i'm sorry it's a star trek thing but there's this great episode where um there was this one race of people and they were perfect they bred themselves perfect right and everyone had a job everyone was allocated a job and they knew exactly what they had to do um, and there was an asteroid coming towards them, and they didn't have the technology to, to, to divert the asteroid. So that obviously these uh, um, the Starfleet comes along and then goes, okay, we can help you out. And they design this thing around um, one of the one of the characters in the show is blind, and he has some visors. He has a visor so he can see, and they use the technology from the visor to create the thing they require to deflect the asteroid. And hence saying that sometimes the flaws in mankind, we divide, we devise um, solutions for those flaws, and they in- inhabit more. Uh, sorry, they encourage us to push further and think differently, so that we actually have better technologies. And I love that concept of it. It was a great episode. <laughs> you, you should look it up. All right, will do. I like. Uh, right, t- tell me more about how Star Trek has influenced your life and the lives of others you know and love. I'll tell you a very sad story. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's slightly sad, but not too sad, and it's quite quite a wonderful story as well. So, um, when I was younger, at the age of sixteen years old, I went bald, which is a wow. horrible thing for a sixteen-year-old to that do. That is that is young. It was very very young, and I was very devastated by it. But I had this amazing character on television called Captain Luke Picard, which was bald, and he was confident, and he was strong, and he could do what anyone else could do, even though he just didn't, he didn't have hair, and it really affected me. It made Aww. it made me a stronger person. I I kind of felt like I could actually do anything, even though I had this small issue. And yeah, it really That's not a sad story at all. That's a beautiful, inspirational story. Yeah, thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I want to tell you a story. It's a great little story, right? All right, I'm excited. You're excited about my little story? Yes. So, this is how I got into uh, loving electric cars, alternative energies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I'm seven years old, and my mother purchased me, purchases me... Uh, one of those cars, you used to push forward and it would drive forward. And then when you pulled back, it would turn left and, and come backwards. It was on a little cord and you used to drive it around. And I loved this little car. Absolutely loved it. And my mother, we weren't exactly rich. Um, it ran out of batteries one day. And I said, Mum, is there any chance you know you could buy me some batteries? And she said, oh, terribly sorry, son. Uh, we don't really have enough money to purchase batteries, but maybe for your birthday. And I said, oh, okay. You know, and went on my, my own day. And I was obsessed with this car. And I said, no, I have to get it working. And for some reason, don't ask me where, don't know, I don't know how it happened. I ended up having a solar cell lying around. And I found this little solar cell and I worked out, I opened up the car because I've always been a curious person. 
opened up the car and went, there seems to be a terminal and a terminal. And there's a wire that goes to the terminal from the batteries. This must be the same as the solar panel. So I hooked it all up and I managed to get this little car to move. And I was absolutely obsessed with why it was working. It doesn't have batteries, but when I put it in the sun, it goes forward. How does that work? It took me 15 years of my life to truly understand how a solar cell works. But that was the bud. That was the one little thing that changed my life. And I went, you know what? I could play with my car as much as I want without batteries. And that what that's what drove me to get into electric cars and alternative energy. That's that amazing. One moment. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. It was a great, great little car. I don't have it anymore. Aw. Oh, that's a shame. That is a shame. It could have been stored in, in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's a great little car. I loved it. But yeah, solar panels were, were really huge for me growing up. I was absolutely obsessed. Didn't really understand the physics behind it or the chemistry for a very, very, very long time. When I finally worked it all out, I can I could barely tell you how it works now. Uh, so why why do you think everybody should get electric cars and solar panels well the way i look at it is you've got think of um, climate change as a war now no one ever wins a war with one battle now electric cars aren't the answer to everything but that's one battle in the war so we need to win that war uh, win that battle and then we will work on upgrading the existing electrical grid to be more green and then we work on you know several other things in our other departments so all it is is just one battle that needs to be won and that's the one i focused on um it was something i could change it was something i was passionate about i've always loved cars and i've always loved transportation so i always focused directly on that yeah i really like that analogy i mean i think um we've talked about this that the, it seems like the main thing that keeps people from taking any action is that they want to win the whole war at once in like one fell swoop. Otherwise, it's not worth investing into these individual battles because it's too overwhelming. But yeah, if you just focus on one battle at a time, then it all becomes a lot easier to do. And with the these things, electric cars and solar panels, I think they're particularly uh, easy to get behind because you can start seeing monetary payback pretty quickly Mm. i've been really lucky so the things i did pick seem to be winning quite well now (laughs) (laughs) i know people that are in other sectors and they're not doing as well i mean i think with everything environmental though this side of the battle is always going to be the one that ends up on the right side of history i mean anybody who's fighting in any of the battles on the war to save the planet is they're going to be right so uh, let's say i don't believe in climate change let's 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 battle this out okay so you don't believe in climate change that's fine okay if you're right um nothing really happens we upgrade the electrical system and we have greener tech too bad okay if i'm wrong we all die That, 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 was, that was that was close. That was that was good. No, if I'm right, right? <laughs> if I'm right, we all die. Uh, it's hard to do it right on the spot, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be confronted with an actual disbeliever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and 
you know, if they're right and we make everything in our world better and more sustainable financially in addition to it not doing harm to the planet, you know, if it doesn't mean we all die and we just end up with way better technology and live in harmony with each other and the planet, then, like, who's going to be like, nah. Yeah, there's no real downside to it. That's the thing. Exactly. The only downside is people financially lose who are invested in these companies and all of these technologies, which is sad for them. But you know what? But they should just invest in the better companies. You gotta, you gotta crack an egg now and then to make an omelet, don't you? <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> Solid analogy. It's really hard to, it's really hard to justify that you are worth more than the entire planet. You need to, people need to step back and realize that they are not on this planet alone and they need to work together for better solutions. That's the only way we're going to survive as a species. Absolutely. Yes. You and I talked about uh, the first day that we met of, you know, I think one of the major misunderstandings about being environmental crusaders is that we're not trying to save the planet. The planet's going to be fucking fine without us. It, we're trying to save the human race. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a race to stop billions of people dying rather than the planet. The planet will outlive us no matter what. Yeah. We can do whatever we want to this planet and it will bounce back in a million years. And for this planet, that's not anything. Yep. A million years is nothing for it. Absolutely. But for us, it, it's a lot. It's an extinction level event. It really is. And we're on the precipice the full precipice and people don't realize how bad it really is and hopefully just hopefully our politicians can save us (laughs) (laughs) i like that laugh (laughs) okay so these are these are some questions that we ask every guest but we like to jump around in conversation a bit so what is the most unrealistic thing you believe in most unrealistic thing I believe in. Unrealistic or most ridiculous theories? I, I Something mean, that other people would <laughs> not believe. I believe that there is an opposite to gravitational pull, which is a push. And that's why the um, universe is expanding. Nice. Uh, it's a personal theory that I've uh, designed over the years, which kind of fits the model's but I'm not a physicist and I couldn't tell you if I was right. Probably the most ridiculous thing I believe, I reckon. <laughs> it's a hunch, and I, I base a lot on that hunch. <laughs> so. That's interesting. Well, we'll have to get a, Cause if a you physicist look at, on the podcast and get back to you. If you if you look at the world, right, there's always positive and there's always negative. You've got a positive and a negative electrical fields. You've got positive and negative electrons. Electro, uh, negative electrons, obviously, are the predominant, but the positives do flash in and out of existence. And when they meet a a uh, negative electron, they usually disappear. Everything has a positive and negative except for a gravitational pull. We're seeing the expansion of the universe at, at quite a substantial rate. There's nothing between these bodies of masses. Therefore, in my eyes, it's not dark matter. It's a repulsive force. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds quite reasonable to me. Thank you. You've got two more believers, I think. Excellent. <laughs> Um, if there was one behavior or action you could get everyone in the world to do or stop doing, what would it be? Uh, one action to to change the world. Actually, I do have one action. I would like people to acknowledge that everyone is equal and no one is above anyone else or below anyone else. 
I believe in true equality where everyone is happy or or allowed to wander up and start talking to another individual. Um, You're not better or worse than anyone. Uh, We've got it in New Zealand. It's really, really nice. Um, I could walk up to the Prime Minister tomorrow and ask her, you know, a few questions on the street and she'd be fine with it. You know, we do have that in some society, but I think it really needs to spread throughout the world. It's beautiful. Man, New Zealand just keeps on sounding better and better. You guys, you guys just There's nailed it. There's actually a really good interview with um, our Prime Minister and someone asked her, do, do people walk up to you on the street and start talking? And she goes, yeah, I was buying maternity clothes at the time. <laughs> it's quite uh-huh. awkward. <laughs> she just constantly has people wandering up and having a chat with her. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah. I love it. Tell, Small country. <laughs> tell us, um, yeah, I'll just say, you were telling us the other day that something that we as Americans have been mystified and enthralled by, that the politicians in New Zealand have jobs that resemble actual human people in society, like plumbers become politicians. Uh, yeah, majority teachers. of um, politicians aren't, well, they are career, they do become career politicians, but they start from all aspects of life. So it's not just lawyers and, and um, highly educated individuals. Sometimes, as I was talking to you the other day about, um, just, uh, what was her name? I can't remember. Our transgender um, uh, ex-prostitute um politician which enacted amazing policy on um reform around prostitution that was uh, i think some of the best policy that's ever come out of our country mm. tell us more oh okay you want the story again of course because yeah. we were recording Cause, it because this is a wonderful <laughs> story and we, yeah we've told other people since you told it to us because we, we were like what how yeah how are other governments not this Basically, what happened was um, we have a little town called Masterton, and Masterton's uh, got about 10,000 people in it. Uh, they elected a transgender um, mayor, which then went on to um, apply for government. Uh, she managed to get a seat in government and then uh, did a very large talk with, with government about uh, the pitfalls of prostitution and how prostitutes are completely and utterly underrepresented when it comes to um, being able to go to the police station, file complaints. This was when get, prostitution was illegal. When it was illegal. illegal, yeah, you became, there was quite a few issues with um, people using drugs or forcing drugs upon prostitutes, um, beating prostitutes, just in, in general, it was a very unsafe environment. So um, she wrote policy um, and then pushed it through Parliament, and it managed to get through, and that policy was written by people that understood the industry, by a person that had actually been a prostitute, and then enacted good policy that would keep prostitutes safe. And that's what we need in this world, more and more policy that is written to keep people safe, not to make money, not to concern yourself with your moral ethics, to keep people safe. And also policy written for the people by the people, the people who know what they're talking about and how this policy will actually affect the group that they're talking to. I have to admit, I did steal that. That was actually a motto from DPA, uh, Disabled People's Association. No policy without us. It was an amazing little piece of... That's beautiful. Mm? That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, DPA is a um, Disability Persons Association uh, representative. So they have a collective uh, with a news- newsletter that goes out and uh, talk to uh, talk to all the people 
part of DPA, and then they enact um, policy change in government um, and advise government on what what's the best route for actual disabled people instead of someone that isn't in, a, in that situation making the decisions for them, which I think is really important. Exactly like you said, policy written by the people for the people instead of written by someone that doesn't understand the actual situation. And obviously drugs is one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what is the most annoying thing about people? <sighs> the innate quality of greed. I find it slightly disgusting, personally. Um, the The idea that individuals like to flash money to to impress others with their BMWs, with their their fancy cars or their fancy houses, when it's all, I don't know how to say it any other better way, but it's all bullshit, isn't it? You know, why do you care if someone owns a bigger television than you? It's, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. But it's an inherent quality, and I I sometimes do it myself. I check myself when I do it, but... Yeah, it's just, it's a pretty horrible trait that humans have. I don't know why you have to be better than someone. Like, really, why? Um, we've mentioned this uh, web comic in on the podcast before, but Wait But Why is one of our favorite comics, and one of our favorite comics of Wait But Why is called The Mammoth, and it sort of takes this question that you're talking about right now and several other things that make are like mind-boggling about the way we act in groups and breaks it down on an interesting um, evolutionary and biological level and and essentially talks about uh, you know a lot of the things that we do that makes us kind of hate ourselves uh, when we're showing off or anything along those lines is because we used to live in tribes and so we had to act like a really valuable part of the tribe otherwise we would be cast out and die so that's why we uh, try to impress people and seem indisposable and also that's why when we do something embarrassing we fret about it or we drive ourselves crazy wondering what other people are going to think about us it does make sense he yeah. explains it a lot better this is a bad summary and also he has nice drawings so check out wait but why <laughs> yeah it's pretty like like the idea that all these defense mechanisms are rooted in this need to fit in. And then, you know, if having a large TV is what's going to make you fit in, it makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint to be like, yeah, yeah, back in the day, if you got kicked out, you were, you were dead. Yeah, I believe greed was a lot like that as well. So obtaining as much materials or resources as you can so that you can survive the winter is a very good trait to have. But we're past that point now. And yeah, we have excess. We're hardwired. I mean, hopefully mm-hmm. generation by generation, if we have that long, if you all get your acts together with the environment, um, it'll it'll get under control as we become more reasonable and grow away from that. But for now. It's largely like fear based. You know, we are too many of our actions are based off of this fear, whether it's real or not, and you yeah, live in a world where it's not necessary. Yeah. yeah. All right. What? 
Wait, I'm looking up. I'm looking up this article so I can read you a line or two. The wait, but why thing? You should definitely read it on, on your own. It's called. Um, the title of it is "Taming the Mammoth: Colon Why You Should Stop Caring What Other People Think." Uh, evolution does everything for a reason, and to understand the origin of this particular insanity, let's back up a minute to 50,000 BC in Ethiopia, where your great to the 2,000th power grandfather lived as part of a small tribe. Back then, being part of a tribe was critical to survival. A tribe meant food and protection in a time when neither was either easy to come by. So for your great to the 2000th grandfather, almost nothing in the world was more important than being accepted by his fellow tribe members, especially those in positions of authority. Fitting in with those around him and pleasing those above him meant he could stay in the tribe. And about the worst nightmare he could imagine would be if people in the tribe started to whisper about how annoying or unproductive or weird he was because if enough people disapproved of him, his ranking within the tribe would drop and if it got really bad, he'd be kicked out altogether and left for dead. He also knew that if he ever embarrassed himself by pursuing a girl in the tribe and being rejected, she'd tell the other girls about it. Not only would he have blown his chance with that girl, but he might never have a maid at all because now every girl knew that he all he would ever would be in his life knew about his lame failed attempt. Being socially accepted was everything. Because of this, humans evolved an over-the-top obsession with what others thought of them, a craving for social approval and admiration, a paralyzing fear of being disliked. Yeah, check it out. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> the rest of it is really good too. I mean, it gets it's it's good. That check was just out. like the intro summary of kind of being like, yo, our craziness is is deeply rooted. Yeah. The need to what's the phrase? Outdo the Joneses or something like that. Yeah, better than the Joneses. Yeah, better than the Joneses. Is that the same phrase in New Zealand? <laughs> No. <laughs> this is yeah. like a thing that that definitely is a phrase in America where, you know, uh, I feel like the example that I always think about with that phrase is at Christmas time, people do lawn decorations and whatnot. And the more Christmas lights you have and the bigger the decorations are and the neighbors start getting crazy competing with each other and being like, oh, well, they have a fake plastic reindeer i'm gonna get 10 oh oh they, well they now have an inflatable snowman i'm gonna get an inflatable orchestra i don't know and the, it's all about seeing what your neighbor has and then being like i gotta outdo them yeah keeping up with the joneses keeping up with the joneses. anyway all right what is something that is really popular now but in five years everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by Oh, wow. I don't know what's popular now. That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> a lot of our guests say that. Um, I think I've been so far away from popular for so long that I've actually, I wouldn't have a clue to tell you the truth. Um, I do look at uh, some of the styling. Like clothes? Like jean shorts. <laughs> like these, they're kind of like underwear. Have you seen them? Like you the know, on girls? Yeah, like, and even guys do it now, like really short jean shorts. <laughs> I just, I find it kind of, I don't think it's going to be a thing forever. <laughs> Fashion never is. Yeah, I, it's not the worst thing, but it definitely, I see it as strange. <laughs> You've taken a good pair of short uh, jeans and just cut the legs off them. Or, <laughs> like, did you need the material? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
Sorry, I'm not too good with that one. No, I like that. That's a good one. It's very funny to hear what people say about this. We've learned about some weird stuff going on right now <laughs> from this question. Okay. What is your favorite thing about yourself? Oh, my favorite thing. Um, I think I've got beautiful feet. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely do. Me and my Nana used to talk about it all the time. We'd be like, yeah, we've got pretty feet. <laughs> Man, Nana would be like baking you cookies. You guys yeah. would be taking Yeah, we naps, used to talk about my feet. Talking yeah. about your beautiful feet. And, Nana um, sounds awesome. I, I love that I've got a short memory. It, it shields you from all that um, trauma from your, your past, right? <laughs> <laughs> The short memory actually has come in handy quite a lot. Is that how you feel? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a short memory also? Yes, especially for names in particular. He, just... he have, we have opposite memories, so we're a nice balance of each other. I can't remember like, media at all. I can't remember movies, TV shows, books, and whatnot. I can rewatch things, reread things, and every time it's like pretty new to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were, we were doing this. I was like having him test me last week on books that maybe I'd read a couple years ago and seeing if I could remember anything. And it is like legitimately nothing, like maybe one tiny thing. But I could reread even this book that I'm doing this mural about in Nepal. We just finished. We just reread it again this past January and now I'm like rereading it to do research for this project and I'm still like oh wow that that happens <laughs> like, yeah, your sounds but, great you're like you get to reread books and enjoy I it mean, like the first you, time you love rereading I books. get embarrassed at parties right. when I can't think <laughs> of anyone's I don't think, name I think this is like so I mean you are like a little bit worse it's than terrible. most people I think but also now you have me and I just whisper people's names into your ear um but that's true i've got tracks for you my friend (laughs) i really have my friend bro um cuz oh yeah man i understand that and introduce them to people but just slyly don't say their name so you go oh jack this is and you go oh it's tom (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah pop in really quickly develop like ways of like oh yeah like have you you know that say this is you know the person's name i know and then hope that everybody else joins in it's yeah. like oh you know it's the way you themselves. put it as well so you just gotta go oh jack oh oh have you met jack you don't you say to your friend that you don't know the name have you met jack huh? and then suddenly they go oh yep. yeah oh no i haven't no 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 my name's tom and you go oh, okay tom that's it yep <laughs> really quickly it's very embarrassing but it happens to me a lot and one thing i do find is if you explain that to people when you meet them that's they're not quite as what if you upset. explain that you're bad with names if you say to them look oh, i'm terrible with names i'm gonna i will try as hard as i possibly can um but there is a there is a chance i'm gonna forget your name i honestly don't understand why it's embarrassing as someone who is better than average with remembering names when i forget someone's name i don't feel ashamed about that and people forget my name all the time and i've never thought anything remotely negative towards them it's just like okay you're a normal person and people have trouble remembering names yeah but that's also, and also names for are you, crazy it's very weird that we have a syllable that is ascribed to this I'm making a gesture toward my body right now. <laughs> this is Jen. What? That was so weird. I hate that. Ugh. Uh, names freak me out, but then I remember them. But you forgetting names, you might be like, you know, you met somebody two weeks ago momentarily, and then and me, after the third time that I've been introduced to somebody, it's no longer. It gets kind of ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> one of my like... best friends is called Kester, and the other one's Weasel. 
Both That's of those amazing. names took me two years to remember. Twice. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Kester. Come on. Kester. I mean, Weasel's pretty awesome. Yeah, Weasel's amazing. She's, she's the coolest chick ever. That's a, I mean, that's just a fantastic name. I mean, perhaps, whatever. Names are so silly, and I I don't I don't respect them. And I feel like, What's oh, man. Yeah, we definitely don't use names in everyday conversation other than the introduction. Right, like, so that's part the of the part The closer you are with crazy. somebody, the less We never say each use... other's names. He said yeah. my name on like the podcast a few times, and I think, we did we tell this story on the podcast? A couple weeks ago, we were hiking this waterfall, and I hurt my toe, and him and our dog walked on ahead of me. He didn't realize that I had hurt my toe, and I was stopped trying to fix my toe. And um, and then he started screaming, Jen, and I was like, <laughs> I didn't respond. <laughs> Yeah, it even feels weird when I say it. He, yeah, he was calling Jen. And I was like, ew, that's so weird that he's screaming Jen right now. Like, that, I've never... Uh, I just silently, like, walked over to him, and I, I didn't respond to his call because it made me so uncomfortable that he said my name. I just—I know that's crazy, but yeah, I mean, names are silly, and anybody—I mean, it, just what a what. Obviously, we just read this mammoth article of you know the need to fit it into society and whatnot. But like, who gives a fuck? Have you ever met anybody who's been like sincerely upset and offended? I feel like if I, you know, if somebody has a problem remembering my name, that doesn't mean anything. I don't—I don't care about my name. If you, if we can just have a nice time together, you don't need to syllable to shout at my face. But do you like it when somebody unexpectedly remembers your name? No, we've talked about this. I know I'm, I'm off in the other direction of normal though. I mean, like my name, I remember names very well in comparison to most people, I guess, but names make me pretty uncomfortable or certainly my name and like the general concept of names. Now I'm never, I'm never pleased when someone remembers my name. It means nothing to me. I wouldn't notice if somebody said my name or not, other than when it's somebody like Trevor who who's, who might say my name and then that's weird. Um, but, you know, like any of these people we've met around pie, I don't know who said my name and not, I, I, I know if they are like, hey, we had dinner together the other day. That's much more important than I had dinner with you and you are Jen. Well, Prince changed his name to a symbol, so you can give it a go, <laughs> Respect. Gina. You can give it a go. Yes, that that would feel that would feel better. What symbol would I be though? Well, no one uses symbols, so you can have whatever you want. You could be Loveheart. <laughs> Loveheart. Yep. I like my middle name was Smiley for for much of my life. <laughs> you should tell that story. Well, you should tell that story. Tell the story that's of my story. life, dear. I know that's why you should tell it because that'll be fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Okay, fine. Because you're, you're going to forget it. It's all about names. This is your worst nightmare. Exactly. Uh, I don't have... I was, my parents didn't give me a middle name. And when I got to first grade, I became aware that all the other kids had middle names. And I went to them and I was like, guys, why the fuck? Where's my middle name? And they said, oh, well, we knew you were going to be a very um, you know, creative and artistic child. And so we wanted to leave that slot open for you to give yourself the middle name because we knew that you would really like that. I was like, fantastic. It's Smiley. Nailed it. All right. It's set. I was six or seven. Uh, Smiley was my middle name. And I 100% then believed that that was my middle name and wrote it on all of my legal documents until I was 
17. Way, way too old. And I got called to the administrator's office in high school for like some standardized test forms or something because obviously I was like filling out S as my middle initial and they were like, this doesn't match something something i don't even remember exactly how it went and then it was just like this uh moment in the administrator's office in high school of being like how did i how did i not question this for the last decade that i just thought that that was i mean i just didn't think about it i was like you know smiley fits me better than jen (laughs) she also believed in leprechauns to a uh I mean, I'm, jury's still out. I mean, I like very <laughs> genuinely believed in leprechauns of like in terms of, you know, I stopped. I was like, Santa, I was 100% sure of, hey, kids, close your ears. I know a lot of children love this podcast, so cover those ears. I stopped believing in Santa when I was in first grade or before and Jesus like the moment after I figured out about Santa and then I was really confused and surprised when all the other adults were like oh yeah like all those other ones we told you about those are fake but Jesus that's that's that one's still real that was a that was a hard one to grasp so but your imaginary friend that you uh, w- uh ask wishes of is is real <laughs> ask for favors genies <laughs> yeah Jesus. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, yeah. Again, I I just don't, I definitely feel like Jesus was presented along the same lines when I was growing up as like, just like he was in the ranks with Santa and all these other folks. And, Santa brings you presents every year. Yeah. I mean, I knew that. You, yeah. No, I mean. And why is it a bunny that brings you eggs? Bunnies don't have yeah, eggs. Yeah. <laughs> but also the eggs are made of chocolate. Yeah. It's a bit strange. It's all anyway, so that was all clearly like something's up here. But I'm <laughs> Irish, and uh, and so my parents just kept on telling me, you so know, okay, it's like yeah, a regional it's, creature. It's a regional, like, yeah, Africa which is totally reasonable. And, and Ireland is leprechauns. Yes, Australia is uh, kangaroos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's all these animals I've never met before. It was totally reasonable that leprechauns, leprechauns aren't were, animals. They're humans. Only, don't, don't I mean, nice. they're their own creature. They're not humans. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, I believed until I was definitely, I'm going to say, 11. <laughs> Did you the, run up to any midgets and scream <laughs> leprechauns? No, leprechauns are smaller than gold? midgets. Can I please have your gold, Mr. Leprechaun? Again, and if you go, have you been to Ireland? I have not. There's like, it's it's very, even more confusing when you actually go to Ireland because there are all of these parks and whatnot all over the place that are like this is where the leprechauns live and and the fairies and whatnot and they have their houses there and you can see where the leprechauns live and like there's signs what's warning you where leprechauns are going to be crossing the road and whatnot it's just like (laughs) you got me you got me convinced now i think these leprechauns (laughs) yeah and it's in leagues with i have this picture i'll post it um with this episode of me pointing this to the sign in in Ireland where it's like uh, a couple things crossing the road. Shoot, I feel like it might be like children cross the road here. And then it's like leprechauns, fairies, and hedgehogs. So they're just trying to fuck you up. It's like, wait, I am positive that hedgehogs are real. I've now touched them multiple times in Thailand. I'm, I'm Don't touch hedgehogs. Uh? Just, just putting it out there. They carry diseases, Jen. They carry diseases. But they're so cute. Yeah, this the, where we touched them was at a, a hedgehog cafe in cafe. Shanghai. So you eat with them. They, yeah, we had really? an excellent waffle 
at a hedgehog cafe and the hedgehogs yes. just took a little nap at our we table. We did wash our hands very apparently. <laughs> yes, multiple times. But I mean it was delightful. Anyway, so in Ireland it's confusing growing up Irish and then when you go to Ireland and see that that it's kind of like what's mythical and what's not. Because if it's just like, okay, children, leprechauns, and hedgehogs cross the road here. How how am I... What? Leprechauns are the only one that we're saying doesn't exist? Children and hedgehogs definitely exist. I, I would like to meet the person who threw hedgehogs in there. He's like, you know what else is going to be crossing the street? <laughs> I'm the one that put leprechauns in there. <laughs> no, that's reasonable. That's Ireland. But anyway... Yes. So I thought my name was Smiley, and I believed in leprechauns until I was very, you very. You just old. need to change that passport. Sorry, Jean. Yo, I'm. I'm still. I mean, I think it's how I go professionally now. I still call myself Jen Smiley. I I know that it's not my middle name. Sort of. I don't know. Do, do you? I? I don't know if I do. That's <laughs> you know, it's a part of me that believes. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, seamlessly transition to this next question. Uh, what is your most embarrassing story from before age ten? Remember how I had a uh, really bad memory? memory? Um, oh, actually, I have got one. My mother tells it a lot. <laughs> That's the only reason I remember it. Uh, so, uh, as I told you, we grew up quite poor, and uh, we used to have. In New Zealand, I'm not sure why people did this and how ridiculous it really is. But if you put money into a uh, old bottle, a glass bottle of milk, they give you more milk. Like, just leave it on the street. And, like, the milkman comes along, takes away the bottle, and puts a new bottle there. Wait, this is real? Yeah, this is what happened when I was two, okay. apparently. Yeah, so um, we didn't live in the best neighborhood. In fact, we lived in a very, very bad apartment complex, which was called Gramble Flats. And my mother couldn't leave the milk out with the money inside the bottle because people would steal the bottle and, and the money. So um, she would run down as fast as she could when she saw the milkman to try and get this new bottle of milk. And um, apparently I was two years old, wandered on up to um, to the door, and I don't know how, but somehow locked the door. Must have got on a chair or something and locked it. I might have been over to maybe four or something. But um, wandered up and locked the door while she was out. So she comes back and she's trying to open the store. I can't open the door for to save my life, save her life. Um, so she has to call the uh, the police and the fire engines and stuff. And they're smashing on the door. And the fireman says, "Look, we're gonna have to knock down the door." They look and they listen through the door, and I'm on the other end crying because I'm absolutely devastated because my mum's not there. And um, the fireman goes, "Look, we can't smash down the door. What we'll have to do." Let's put the ladder up to the to the uh, balcony and climb the ladder, get inside so we can unlock the door. So this fireman, they put the ladder out, they ran up and jumped into the into the flat, opened the door and and jumped into my uh, jumped into my mum's arms and she takes me downstairs to you know blah 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 and she says thank you to all the firemen and the first thing that comes out of my mouth is look mum fire truck. <laughs> Aww. It's the only one I remember before 10. <laughs> that's, I don't think that's an embarrassing story. I think that's just another story about how wonderful people from New Zealand are. <laughs> Fire engines coming to save the day when my mum yeah. gets locked out. That's, that's cute. I liked it. 
seems to me like climbing up the ladder was a better solution than knocking, knocking down, down the, the door. door. Yeah, that should have always been the thing. What is the book that has most influenced your life? Okay. Have I told you that I've lived an extraordinary life? No. I've lived an extraordinary life. Um, so the one that's probably changed my life the most is the book that I wrote when I was 10. You wrote? I wrote and authored a book when I was 10 years old. Amazing. And okay. So. <laughs> the twist. I, yeah, there's a lot of twists, trust me. Uh-huh. Not even there yet. Um, so when I was 10 years old, I wrote a book called My Brother Owen. You can look it up on, on Google if you want, if you want to see some pictures and things. Um, I wrote it as a school book for shits and giggles um i grew up in a my mother started a foster home which um she adopted a child with fetal alcohol syndrome so this child he um couldn't walk um couldn't talk and um, i used to help with his cares so when i was asked to write a story about my life i wrote about my brother owen which i helped um, brush his teeth in the morning helped get him fed and etc etc so the book is a, tri- a children's book. This is available on Amazon. <laughs> it is available on Amazon, um, which yeah um, tells you about growing up with a child which has fetal alcohol syndrome, and it changed my life in the in the way that someone walked up to me once, and they said, "Are you Nicholas Keenan?" And I said, "Yes." And she goes, "I work with disabled people because of you." Oh my god! And I said, That's "What?" Amazing. And she said. I read your book when I was in teacher's college, and I said, that's what I want to be doing. I want to be making a difference for disabled children. Oh, my God. I literally have goosebumps all over. That's amazing. Yeah. So that that was probably the most influential book in my life. I'd say so. Mm. I think it's our best answer yet. Yeah, absolutely. By a landslide. Did you see the book? Yeah. Did you see a young version of me? No. I was. I just went to the Amazon, which doesn't seem like it had a picture of you. Where do I find the picture of you? Oh, uh, you'll find it. Um, there might be a walk through the book. I'm not sure, but on the front cover is a picture of me because they actually came through the home and took photos of me and my brother for the for the book. Whose idea was it to publish it? Um, so my ah, yep, that's me, and that's my brother Owen. That's wild. So um, I ended up not winning the competition for school. Uh, believe it or not, someone else won it, and um, the book actually got passed on to one of my mother's friends in Australia because she just wanted it. She thought it was a wonderful little book, and she has a friend that was a publisher for an Australian publishing firm, and she was look, rifling through this book and said, look, we're making this. Oh so they, they they picked it up and, and ran with it. I was a minor celebrity for about three years and when you were 10 when i was 10 that's yeah. amazing mm. yeah so that's mostly amazing. <laughs> it was a pretty cool cool little time in my life anyway yeah mm. what's what are what are some of the highlights of your extraordinary life oh i've had many a highlight <laughs> many many highlights i'm not sure I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. It's been extraordinary. Yet, yet you wouldn't say that your default state is one of joy? No, I wouldn't. No, still neutral. Strangely. So you, when you're experiencing these things that are extraordinary... Then I enjoy them and I am joyful. 
but but your default is state neutral. of existence is neutral. Yeah. Strange, huh? I th- I mean, do you like it that way? Yeah, would you, I do. Would you prefer for your default state to be one of joy? I think I don't know. I don't think I'd enjoy joy as much as I would if it was a fleeting. So it, it being fleeting means I really enjoy my time being joyful. I mean, there's varying degrees of joy, and I wouldn't say that a, uh, you know, I'd say my default state is joy, but that I still have a, I experience most of the emotions every single day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still, you know. Everything's fleeting in one way or another. Okay. Anyway. Um, what life practices you, do you do to keep yourself sane and balanced? Uh, I listen to a lot of music. I think music balances me a lot. And uh, for many, many years I was fighting. I um, I fought Muay Thai um, kickboxing. And I, I found that very few, uh, therapeutic. Um, I believe that there, everyone goes through emotions and everyone deals with emotions differently. Um, for me, anger was always um, quite hard for me until I found fighting, and that was a release, something that in a safe space which you could actually release that that emotion and, and deal with that emotion. So that really helped. Fitness in general has done that for me. Staying fit, staying, yeah, staying fit. That'd be the way to go. What is the most environmentally friendly thing you do and the main or the main environmentally friendly thing you would like others to do? Electric cars. 100%. Um, I would like to see a lot more people looking into uh, grid tie inversion. Um, I think grid tie inversion is probably the next big thing that I'll be pushing for next. Um, previously it was electric cars, but now grid tie inversion is, is the way forward. Could you so, explain grid tie inversion? Sorry? Could you explain what that is? Uh, grid tie inversion is you um, produce your own electricity and um, you put it back into the grid. So you're inverting it straight into the grid. So it's instead of using batteries, what you do is you use the grid as a giant battery. So it, ri- it winds your meter back. So when you take power, say at 6 p.m., um, when you're cooking dinner, you're utilizing a large amount of power, right? Maybe the sun's down, you can't actually produce that power, but you're producing power during the day with your solar cells, so you put it back into the grid. So it's more of a, a give-take system instead of just a take system. So, um, And if you've got a large amount of um, roofs that have are doing nothing at the moment and you put a whole pile of solar panels on it, you can actually supplement the grid when the grid needs that power and storage. So um, I think... Um, large uh, large power companies need to look more into um, capacitors or large banks of of storage for batteries one of the um uh, one of the systems that looks really promising is the gtv system uh, so grid to um uh, sorry uh, car to grid system so basically you plug your electric vehicle into the into the grid at all times whenever you're parked and the um the grid actually utilizes the power inside your batteries you see if you want to run 240 volts which we use you use to uh, 110 in america if you're running 240 volts at your plug at all times at three o'clock in the morning there's a lot of load dump they do so what they'll do is they to get that power there they have to have a certain amount of load inside the system but no one's utilizing it, no one's using it, so they dump that load. 
but they're continuously making more and more and more. So it's, there's a lot of waste at night. So between the hours of about uh, 11 to about 7. But electric vehicles can be charged at those times. So you charge your electric vehicle from 11 to 7, and then when you get to work and plug it in, and everyone's running the air conditioners and big machinery and, and all these factories, that's when it draws from the power of the EVs. So you're using the vehicle as the portable power point, uh, the, power, um, the portable battery for the entire grid. Instead of you owning a huge factory full of batteries, everyone just contributes all at the same time. And it's a flexible grid. That's brilliant. Mm. One thing, one great thing about electric cars, what we're seeing is when they're being retired, they take those batteries and they put them into big factories now. And they use as as a as a load dump. So instead of just dumping it into the ground and, and lo- you losing all that energy, which in turn is producing carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide um, for no good reason, we're actually putting it into the batteries so we don't have to turn those those um, factories or those um, those sorry power plants to maximum um, during the peak hours because we draw from the batteries when we were storing from three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so it's all about. We have an electrical grid system at the moment that is designed for Christmas Day use. You know, like um, the church at Christmas Day, everyone turns up, it's packed. You know, if we designed our church like that, so it was, it was capaci- the capacity was there for Christmas Day only, that's what we do with the grid. We're at capacity, so it's designed to be maximum all the time, but it doesn't need to be like that. It, it can be smoothed out with batteries, electric cars, and, and smart grid technology. Yeah, sorry, that was a long speech. No, that was awesome. I guess I, I bet you informed and changed minds. And... Yeah, I'm going to look into that too. That's interesting. That, I'm kind of wondering, like, well, why wouldn't people, like, each household have a household battery, the large scale? Uh, yes and no. So one of the problems with household batteries, which is great, and I do I do agree with household batteries, but um, there's only so much cobalt. Hmm. and the battery technology isn't quite there yet. Um, but we do have really good lithium-ion um, chemistries in some of the new electric vehicles, which use minimal cobalt, and they're already being produced, and they already exist. So why don't we utilize the things that are already there instead of making and making and making and making? Because the more batteries you make, obviously, the more harm we're going to do to the environment. So if we if we think about utilizing things that we already have in a better way, I think it's a better solution than everyone getting a pack of batteries. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think even just having it in your car, like that is sort of your house battery at that point, and it's going to be at your house every day. So the smallest ones we have, so the ones we've got, um, and they're first-generation um, electric vehicles, are 24 kilowatt. So 24 kilowatt is the equivalent of two to three days of someone at a medium-use electrical house as uh, to, to run a house so it's Jeez. it's quite a bit of power in some of these batteries you can if you were to take 10 percent, maybe even 20 percent, just rotating through the grid out of in everyone's car you could actually use it as a small bank what well, a decent sized bank for all those fluctuations to, to stop it fluctuating so much did you know in the uk with um, they actually know when the ads are going to be on for the EastEnders because they know that everyone turns their kettles on, wow. so they have to fire up 
power stations just before the ads come on in an EastEnders um, show. Wow. Yeah, because it's to keep the flow going is it is not an exact art. You just have to turn on more machines when the 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 load goes down. So and it's very hard to keep it at two hundred and forty volts. So they're always overcompensating. They're always making too much power. And if if you're just dumping that, why not put it into some batteries? Yeah. Oh, I never I never knew that that it was a changing thing. I just assumed that the same I don't know. I guess I've never actually really thought about it. That's very interesting. It's kind of my thing. <laughs> nice. Not too many people think about stuff like that except for me. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we have you to do it. Then I do the last question. All right, and our last question. Why do people do small talk? Small talk? Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? It's probably initiate some sort of rapport so for connection. Right. So you walk up to someone and you talk shit. Maybe you might develop some friendships <laughs> and and be part of a group again. Because everyone wants to belong, like we just had that conversation. Everyone wants to belong, right? And if you belong, then you're happy. So small talk is the first initial step towards happiness, I presume. Well, I mean, we met you the other day. No, No small talk was exchanged. It was immediately like... What is society and, and what is the environment? What can we all do? And uh, it was uh, it was beautiful. And then we. Uh, I was a bit concerned we were going to have some debates there. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know exactly who you were. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> you thought we were going to like disagree with saving the planet? Yeah, well, I have yeah, had it. I really have. That's wild. No, I, we were so interested in everything you're saying because we agree. Well, we originally started talking because. Because well, I think you mentioned something environmental, but that wasn't your main point of conversation. You were talking to somebody else. It was sesame. And then, huh? Sesame. What? I don't know. Sesame is the um, uh, Chinese um, barter system. So oh, yeah. The point system. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain what that is? Well, I don't really. Um, I mean, just like what you were <laughs> saying. I just want to give the listeners some. Disclaimer background. Nicholas doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh. But. Um, the basics of it um, for Sesame is a point system um, given to you by the um, Chinese government, and the Chinese government will allocate you points for doing things correctly and subtract points for doing things negatively. Um, if you were to talk badly about the state, you lose points. If you have friends that are lower points than you, you lose points. If you do things or purchase products that the government says is good, you shall gain points. And those points then give you perks within the uh, Chinese government for permits and um, visas and government-issued stuff. Yeah, It's a scary concept, but at the same time, how do you control one billion people? Yeah, man. Have you have I I mentioned this briefly when you were having this conversation. So he was having this conversation, and Trevor and I were like, "Ooh, what's going on over here? Let's talk to him." Um, I mentioned, have you ever heard of the TV show Community? I have. Yes, I love Community. Oh, have you seen the episode where they all it's the same thing basically, where they're all like being ruled by and competing for these points i have not seen this episode but i will endeavor to find it i i it's it's one of the later seasons i'm trying to um community's great isn't it because it's not 
it's not the the same bullshit. It's actually something fun, different, and you can go in any direction with it. It's yeah. He's never Trevor hasn't seen it. We started. We watched a couple of episodes recently. <coughs> I enjoyed it. I've seen bits and pieces of it here and there as well. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan as well. Doctor so Who. So is Trevor. <coughs> yes. Yes. You're a Doctor Who fan. Absolutely. Oh, there's nothing quite like taking a premise that will give you full access to as many stories as you want. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they take full advantage of it. I mean, there's everything from wibbly wobbly sciencey stuff. Huh? <laughs> he understands. He understands. Who's uh, who's your doctor? My doctor is Matt Smith. Your doctor Smith. Yeah. Matt Smith. Who's your doctor? Tenant. Oh, he's a close second. Oh. He's a close second. I can't get over fish fingers and custard. I really can't. Uh, oh, I mean, apple. I, I, I love apples. Oh, yeah, what's that? You're trying to poison me. <laughs> <laughs> have you me. seen uh, the female doctor? I have not, no. Neither have I. No, the, the um, Chipoli, Chip, is it Chipoli? Depends the where you're going The latest this. guy. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've seen some of them. Um, just after Matt Smith, there was a new Doctor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the older fella. Yes. Yeah. See, oh. if you if you make Doctor Who serious, it's not good anymore, <laughs> because yeah. you've got giant rhinos walking around in in space suits. Yeah, it's not okay make to that. make that serious. <laughs> if you're not having a laugh, stop it. <laughs> did you fi- did you finish him out? No, I didn't. See, I, I lost I motivation. I felt the same. But I, you know, at first, like when David Tennant went away, and then we got Matt Smith. I hated I was, Matt Smith. I was, I was a little yeah, but I always wound up loving all the doctors. Like, so mm. I'm like, maybe it'll happen. But then they took it off Netflix. So, and Amy Pond was the best companion. Uh, agreed. No, who is your favorite companion? Hundred percent. I Amy like Pond. Rose. That arc was amazing. Come on. Like that entire arc, that whole season was just yeah, so much they, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got so. Ex- and, Let's wow. go, Hitler! Was one of the one moments in my life <laughs> where I got I got out of the chair, screamed, jumped up and down, and went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh, such a good show. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it it pulls out the emotions in me. I love it. Yeah, yeah. and he, I love the whole idea that he. He never uses violence to solve his problems, and he's always so confident. Yes, you know it's just it's beautiful to see someone like that because he he's a great role model, a great role model for for young people who need to see more of that. It's true, and similar to Star Trek, I feel like it has substance on many different levels. Like you know, you can read into it. Yeah, in and a you lot can of different ways. You can pull your own morals out of it. Uh huh. You really can. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful show. Yes. All right, so one of our other first conversations was debating about whether or not the in, having the internet at easy access is going to make us better or worse people as a society, as individuals, and all this. And uh, Trevor was being very optimistic, thinking that we, we don't really have it under control right now, but that there's a good chance that we're going to get better as we go. And, uh, and I was very negative. Yeah. Because I've already seen... The I I just when I was younger, I really did assume that if people had access to knowledge, then they would use that knowledge to better themselves. And you know what they did? They made cat videos. And That's what they did. They perfected the the selfie. Yeah. Or, or is it? 
But they've also done and then monumental cat ears onto the selfie. They've made solar panels and electric cars and <laughs> But those were people that were working very, very hard, isolated themselves from any other any other sector and really focused on what they needed to do. I guess if they ha- they probably had more access to individuals in other countries to discuss those problems and to work through them. So yeah, no, I'll give you that point. But it certainly is in its infancy. Like it needs to, yeah. needs to change. I just find the majority of people take photos of themselves and put them on the internet and say, "Look how pretty I am," and that kind of disturbs me a little bit. I don't know if that's really the majority. I think, as with many things, that's just the vocal minority. That a lot of uh, people I think are Facebook using is the, the number in- one. I'm pointing at Jean and telling her she has a very good point, and I concede <laughs> that's a really good point. You are right. It's a vocal minority, and there are a lot of vocal minorities that annoy the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, all the good people are hiding. You are right. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I concede. Thank are you. you that was very with, graceful. Are you familiar with Khan Academy? No. You might like it. Uh, it's this, this. Trevor loves it. Yeah, it's one of the few things I give money to on a regular basis because it's just brilliant. Oh, uh, Khan Academy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, on YouTube. Uh, yeah. It's on YouTube. It also has its own website and app. And Yeah. We'll I used like, to. So when I was younger, I used to watch a lot of SciShow. What? And I gave money to SciShow quite a lot. What's SciShow? SciShow is a um, science-based um, educational show. It basically runs you through basic physics, basic chemistry, basic mathematics. Nice. Um, it's really, really good, especially for someone like myself, which uh, my formal education isn't exactly prime. So I had to learn a lot of what I know from YouTube or from talking to people, talking to a lit. A lot of what I know about electrical engineering came from an electrical engineer student because I wouldn't stop asking him questions. That's awesome. But it, it, it it's all about, yeah, deciding you want to learn and then finding resources so you can learn. And Khan Academy, my friend, well worth it. It is. And, like, the app is really cool because it has, like, like a, a crowdsourcing element to it. So they'll have a video on, like, organic chemistry and then you'll see in, like, the the thread underneath questions that people had and like more in-depth explanations about different facets of it. So it kind of like sees where the videos didn't quite explain it right. And then they can update them based on the way people digest it, which is, I think just a brilliant platform for education going forward. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's now translated in like over 50 languages. That might be wrong, but uh, more, which is great because free education is something that, can only help. MIT does a lot of, um, they publicize a lot of lectures as well. That's where a lot of my quantum mechanics comes from is um, MIT lectures. And they're really, really good. But you've got to start at the very beginning with quite a high level of education to start with. So it took me about two years to go through my first one because I had so much to catch up on. That's but awesome. It's really cool when you get into it. But What yeah. do you think is the main thing that makes some people have kind of an unquenchable thirst for knowledge, like perhaps the three of us and others to be complacent in wherever they're at and not really wanting to know more or to and and again, one of our other first conversations is like the pros and cons of finding your tribe, uh, like finding people who, who might have similar priorities as you um so like what 
what makes people interested in knowledge and what makes people interested in other points of view and then what makes the op- their inverse in wanting to just stay in one place and not learn new things and not expose themselves to alternative perspectives. I think a lot of the time um, people not wanting, well, not learning is their fear of failure. There's a fear of failure that maybe they're not smart enough or maybe they can't do it. So that if they don't try, they'll never be disappointed that they couldn't do it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's a great, insightful answer. Mm. Um, And I think finding a tribe is a great thing, but finding your tribe and then locking yourself inside the walls of your tribe is a bad thing. But I was also saying that I like to find other, I mean, most of my life, I have never, I've only lived in one place that was a a mecca for hippies, and that was Ithaca, New York. Other than that, most of my life has been me on the fringe of mainstream society and having to fit into mainstream society. And any of the times that I found people more in my tribe, how exponentially my learning goes up when my interests are aligned with the interests of those who I'm spending time with, and they can teach me so many more things, and as opposed to you know, hanging out in mainstream society and they're talking about stuff that doesn't light me on fire and inform me. So. 100%. 100%. I agree with you there. Um, definitely. But I don't want... I mean, there are some things, I will be honest, that I think I think probably for every, anyone, I, f- I think probably people are lying if they're saying that like there's not some subjects where it's kind of like, I don't really want like my perspective... I don't really want to hear the points of view of those people who don't believe in climate change. I mean, I'll talk to them, but it's fucking annoying, and I'm not interested in what they have to say. It's just it's like a duty to have a conversation with them. But, uh, I mean... What annoys me is they expect you to do all the uh, research and do all the work, and then they cite things that they heard their grandmother talk about. Right. <laughs> it just, yeah. If if ninety nine point nine percent of your fucking mechanics tell you it's a blowing tire and one says you're fine, it's probably a blowing tire, you idiot. Yep. Yeah. Uh. It, yeah. There's people who've de- dedicated their entire lives to climate climate science. Their entire lives, and they're saying we've got a problem. I tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to someone that just dedicated their entire life to the subject, not your grandma. Yeah. One of the most interesting assignments I ever had in university, like one of the only ones that I still think about today, was in a critical... uh, I took a class at my university called Critical Thinking, which I wish was mandatory education across the board. And I think that that would be one of the first steps to advancing our society's relationship with these individual technologies, with having access to the phone at all time and all of the internet. I think if we all had to take a baseline critical thinking course, that that would really make things better. Um, Anyway, so in this class, I don't remember exactly the assignment, but it, or it was to find it was to find a something published by a mainstream news outlet, and then to find the fallacies in that. So obviously, I chose Fox News. I don't know if you you've heard of Fox News, right? I unfortunately have. Yeah. So it was an article on Fox News that was about how um, climate change isn't real. And it was wild to actually go through like paragraph by paragraph and find where it was interesting how clever they were in their manipulation of 
the truth and they're just like not including facts. So they kept on quoting this one scientist throughout the whole article who they were referring to as like, you know, this climate change expert, but they didn't actually say their title. It was just kind of something vague about this scientist. And I looked into that person. They had only ever been a zoologist and they had been like discredited and fired decades before and now we're making like insane claims based on nothing about climate change which is not the thing they were educated in nor the thing they've done anything with in their professional career but fox news was just uh you know leaving out the details and never exactly saying straight out lies just completely hiding most aspects of the truth yeah that sounds like media to me (laughs) They get pretty good. I had a similar experience in a speech class where they we were they our instructor was playing different clips from famous speeches and they put on this one guy and she didn't tell us who it was and he's giving this really eloquently formulated argument and the whole while I'm sitting there listening, becoming more and more appalled about what's coming out of this man's mouth, while everybody else in the class seemed to be like, Yeah, those are some really good points. And at the end of it, it turned out that it was one of the leaders of the Ku Klux Klan, and it was an entire argument for racism, albeit a very well-formulated one, but still just nonsense at its core. Like, unless you were looking at the premise of the argument and determining whether or not you truly believed it, the conclusion doesn't matter if you're wrong on the premises. Yeah. So it was just really interesting to watch people's reactions to this. Really I, I get it a lot when I read articles about electric cars, as you probably understand by now. Um, I'm obsessed with electric cars, <laughs> so I, I I've actually rebuilt one. I've stripped them down. I've done. I know every single aspect there is to do with an electric car. All the facts, all the figures, absolutely everything. You can ask me any question about an electric car, and I can tell you the answer. And I read these articles, and I just go. Who the hell is sourcing you? This is absolutely ridiculous. Sometimes it's just flat-out lies. Flat-out lies. They just don't understand what they're talking about. And it annoys the crap out of me. You go, well, I, oh, well, I couldn't be right, because, you know, all I did was study it for fucking years. You wrote an article, so you must be right. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Some of the fallacies that come out of people's mouths when it comes to electric cars just drive me insane. Like supply chains, one of the one of the ones that annoys me the most is they talk about these supply chains and how, oh uh, well, you're burning fossil fuels down the road out of coal, and then electricity comes down the lines and then goes to your car, and it's basically like running fuel. It's nothing like running fuel. Do you see the supply chain of fuel? If you actually look at the supply chain of fuel, it's finding the resource for one, digging a bloody hole that uses huge amounts of resources, then pumping it out of the ground, and then you have to ship it from Saudi Arabia to bloody New Zealand, and then you've got to boil it, and then you've got to separate it into all its key elements, then put it in a truck and it drives down the road. Before you even get it in your tank, it's got thousands of... of, of, of um, so th- Thousands of tons worth of CO2 to its name before you even put it in, its, in the tank. And and they go on about all this because they're so ignorant. They don't understand the full concept. They don't understand how energy formulates and, and, and gets to where you need it. And yeah, I get riled up about it really, really badly. As you should, but I think that's part of the problem is is unless you have the time and the resources to do that research yourself, then you have you, the only other option is to trust somebody else that 
claims that they have done that research. And then you have to determine that person's credibility. And all that requires time, effort, and yeah. a lot of people aren't willing to make that investment. Of course they're not. It's because it's not their passion. And that's fair enough. My passion isn't always something that's in the news. So, But, yeah, there needs to be consequences for, for people lying. There doesn't seem to be consequence for lies anymore. It's just, oh, well, blatantly Why do you say anymore? Was there ever? Well, there used to be. People used to be um, held accountable. So if you blatantly lied, people would lose their jobs over that type of thing. Especially mm. politicians. Yeah, I, that's obvious. I was immediately thinking of Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. One of uh, if, the if, most if, famous liars of all time and now one of the most powerful. I couldn't imagine a New Zealand politician lying through their teeth then someone finding out about it and then not losing their job. That's New Zealand sounds dreamier and dreamier. Yeah. It's not it's not everything you want it to be, that's for sure. I mean, it's a pretty low bar like that I'm talking about right now. <laughs> I, Trevor makes it a I think you're just going through growing pains. America will be fine. It's just going through growing pains. How old is New Zealand? You're younger than America. Two hundred years old. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty young. We're like 250. Yeah. I didn't realize New Zealand was only 200 years old. Yeah, you want to hear some cool stuff about New Zealand? Of yeah. course. Uh, so New Zealand doesn't actually have any native mammals except for a bat. What? Yep, one Zero? bat is the only mammal, native mammal in New Zealand. That's crazy. How yeah, could so that happen? Um, because it was a secluded island with no mammals. It's always always has been. It um I I think it was separated from what was the giant landmass? Pangaea. Um and then there was the extinction event and mm. um no mammals survived in New Zealand, I presume. Um we had a moa, which was still a bird. It was a flightless bird, and it was uh two and a hundred two hundred and fifty kgs um and three point six meters tall. It was huge. I'm trying to do the conversion <laughs> to feet. Can convert that to American? Uh, <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> okay, so it was 240, so it'd be three times my weight, and um, this is a bird. Okay, twice my height. Okay, that's Jeez. like impossible to visualize. Yeah, it's stupidly big. And we used to have an eagle that would hunt them, called the Hask Eagle, which was. Friggin' huge as well. It must have been to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> Used to hunt the mower. Yeah. But um, they're all birds. So the entire country is primarily birds uh, before the Māori Ori. The Māori Ori were the first people to come to New Zealand. Um, and they were killed off by the Māori. The Māori ate them because they were cannibals. And um, then the uh, Caucasians, the Pakiha, they call us, turned up. Pakiha is um, Māori for white pig. <laughs> uh, the Pakiha came along and um, I think it was Queen Elizabeth, no, the first, or, yeah. Um, the, they had a big war, basically. England tried to take New Zealand. The Māori stood their lines. Uh, they went into trench warfare and um, they defeated the English. Uh, well, they depleted their resources and uh, the English had to sign a very favorable treaty for the Maori people and um it's been upheld until this day 
Wow. Mm. So we have uh, what's called the Treaty of Waitangi, which is the um, the f- one of the founding documents of the New Zealand of New Zealand. It's a pretty cool document. You can go and see it. It's on display in Auckland, I think. What's cool about it? Um, so it's quite favourable towards Māori lands, and um, the foreshores are not owned by anyone. So no one can own beaches because of this document. Wow. Yeah, so um, it's owned by the people, basically. The people of New Zealand own the beaches. So it's free access to beaches Um, no matter what. So what's bad about New Zealand? Sorry? What's bad about New Zealand? You said it's not as dreamy Um, as it sounds. Unfortunately, in the major centres, we have kind of gone in the direction the entire world has gone, where people are a bit too obsessed with money, in my opinion. Um, a lot of the time... That's not New Zealand's fault, though. That's humanity. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, there is a lot of, um, uh, shall we say, there's not a lot of drive for green and alternative energies in our country. Um, people are doing it despite, but I feel like our government hasn't really put in the push. So electric cars aren't subsidized which I think is absolutely appalling. Um, we don't have a tax on them at the moment, uh, but I do believe the government's putting a tax in in the next few years. They're talking about a 3%. So if the electrical, electric cars hit 3% of the, um, of the fleet in New Zealand, that's when they'll start taxing them. Um, everything's quite expensive, like overly expensive, and we've gone through a very, very bad housing crisis where houses went, I think, 300% up, up 300%. It's stupid. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, what else is bad about New Zealand? Can't think of March. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty lucky. <laughs> anyway, it's nice talking to you. <laughs> yes, this has been a pleasure. Yeah, and thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely to have you. Uh, I think I should do a better ending than that. Okay. What do we have to do? Let's sing a song. Oh, yeah. What song should we sing? Kumbaya, my love. <laughs> oh, God. Are there any uh, New Zealand songs? Oh, yeah. What's the New Zealand national New Zealand anthem? Songs. We have some of the best, best songs in the world. Please delight us with one. That'll oh, be well, it. I can't sing any of them because I can't remember any of them. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I've got a terrible memory, remember? Well, man, what a sales pitch. We have some of the best in the world. You can't hear them. Oh, we do. Um, if you do want to listen to some good music. Do you, wait, like, do you have a national anthem or anything that you had to learn as a child that was mandatory to sing? Believe it or not, we're not that nationalistic. <laughs> um, I've listened Again, to, the, to, to this to the national anthem twice in my life i believe what and the it was fuck usually at the olympics <laughs> oh yeah. my god no we we don't stand there and hold Can our you hands imagine? in our heart <laughs> that sounds brilliant yeah me. it sounds so brilliant it is i mean yeah it's so creepy they tried to our change nationals. our flag though so we had a big initiative where they were like oh look our flag looks a lot like the australian flag because it, it does it looks basically the same just one star less mm-hmm. and they're like oh it's embarrassing we have to change our flag and the entire country just got up in arms and went 
well, I don't give a shit. It <laughs> <laughs> is big. It is big fucking vote. It costs like eight million dollars to do this referendum, and everyone just went. I just keep it the way it is. Who gives a shit? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I don't care. You guys seem so reasonable. They Who? did this. They did this submission where they like you could submit a flag, and someone submitted a flag, a black flag with a kiwi with laser eyes. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. Got, it got quite far through, and I think they got upset and scared, so they basically <laughs> backed off because we were going to have a flag with a kiwi with laser eyes. I mean. That would have pleased that me so much. Me so oh, much. I would have been so happy with that flag. I still fly that flag. <laughs> I would have yes. brought one, and I fly it patriotically. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's <laughs> New Zealand, the land of the laser kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent tagline. On that note, uh, if you do want to listen to some good music, though, from New Zealand, good New Zealand music, six sixty. So six, the name, uh, the the word, and then <laughs> sixty, the the numbers, is a really really good band, huge in New Zealand at the moment, and they just sold out their concert in January, and I'm gutted because I really wanted to go. Aww. yeah. And another one is Marco Road. You will never ever hear that name ever again because <laughs> they're a very obscure band. But I found them in Wellington at a fifteen dollar concert, and they were. Awesome. You know how sometimes you just listen to a band and you go, I love this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of those. We'll have to check those out. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for coming. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's our right. pleasure. Bye. See ya. <laughs>